uh, law can be made in, uh, in two ways, of course, binding law through at, st uh, legislative statutory action or by administrative rulemaking uh, uh, where the legislature has delegated that power. And uh, today we're going about to make uh, formal and final uh, new regulations which will transform uh, dramatically uh, what is expected of new teachers in Indiana to receive a teaching license going forward to teach from fifth grade on. Uh, one will need to demonstrate mastery of subject matter. Math teachers will have to have majored in math, history teachers in history, science teachers in science. Uh, how to do it courses still will have their place, of course, but um, Indiana says this morning that what matters most in all new teachers going forward is that they know the subject matter that uh, they are going to try to impart to our young ones. And we think it's a very bold move. I'm enormously grateful to the members of this board for their uh, unanimous action. Change in the area of higher education comes very, very hard. And these folks uh, have worked hard and um, come to a really great result. So. Um, before we uh, sign it, let me ask uh, first Teresa and then uh, Tony to add any comments they may have. Thank you, Governor. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with Dr. Bennett and Governor Daniels um, to talk about what we know is the most important thing about education, and that is the quality of the classroom teacher. We believe that every student deserves to have a quality education. That begins with the preparation of, of teachers. Uh, it's important to also note that what we're doing here today is completely consistent with Reaching Higher, which is Indiana's strategic plan for higher education. When that was put together and um, disseminated in 2008, one of the sections has to do with teacher preparation, and specifically the members of the commission have been very concerned about content level knowledge of teachers. Um, I'm sort of simple about these things, and I've said several times, you know, we all know that being smart doesn't mean that you're going to be a great teacher. But we also know that you can't be a great teacher unless you understand the topic that you're teaching, the subject matter. And that's really what this is about. Uh, I reflected this morning when I was driving in that when I prepared to be a teacher almost four decades ago, that my, my training was in English to be an English teacher. And through the years, we've lost some of that focus in some places. And so we really look forward at the commission to working with um, Dr. Bennett to make sure that we align teacher preparation courses with these new standards. One of the other great things about being here is that it exemplifies, again, I think, uh, something that's very important, and that is the relationship between K-12 and higher education. And I don't think you've ever seen two leaders work more closely on that than the two who are here today, and this is further evidence of that and just the beginning of a jump start to continue to look at the quality of teachers. We look forward to a time when we can actually measure the quality of instruction from preparation through student learning, and we think that's going to be in the future as well. So thank you. Um, I too first would like to thank Governor Daniels because I, you know, I've said this many times. I have the opportunity to visit with 49 other state school chiefs, and every time I'm with them, they they remark that they envy the the position I'm in because I have a governor who who gets it, a partner who gets the need to reform education and support education reform in our state. So, Governor, I thank you for that support, and and I also want to echo what Commissioner Lubber said. Um, none of this is possible without a great partnership with higher ed. Um, you know, sometimes moving K-12 is second in difficulty to moving higher ed. And I have the, the ultimate inertia in Commissioner Lovers who helps me move 
the ball. So I, I want to say today is about two things. It's about higher standards. It's about making sure that our teachers are better prepared to teach children to be competitive in a 21st century than they've ever been prepared in the past. The other thing is about greater flexibility. Greater flexibility for board members like Bob McEwen who may want to hire a superintendent. Um, to, today we are going to hear from Joel Klein, the Education Roundtable, and until this thing is signed today, Joel Klein couldn't be a superintendent in Indiana. But he can be superintendent, chancellor of New York City Public Schools. Our Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan, couldn't be a superintendent in Indiana until we sign this today. Flexibility all the way down from the superintendent level to the principal level to the teacher level. So it's about raising standards and increasing flexibility. And, and I applaud the courage, I applaud the, the hard work of uh, all of our members of professional standards. And I especially want to acknowledge Pat Makes, our director of professional standards, who was just instrumental in working through the logistics and bringing this to reality. So, Pat, thank you. Thanks, Tony. So, just uh, yeah, one last point to make. Um, we have seen a more a reform in Indiana education in the last uh, year, uh, probably than in the pr previous uh, couple of decades. And this is in a this is a part of what you will see as a continuing pattern of such changes. We've lifted the lid off charter schools. We have uh, uh, taken the first steps toward true accountability by the ability first to, to measure uh, student progress and relate that to individual teachers and school buildings. Uh, we've li lifted the senseless prohibition against looking to see if the children are learning in evaluating a teacher. We're ending social promotion by an action uh, that will follow the legislation that passed this year. We'll soon be grading schools so parents and taxpayers can know which schools are doing the best jobs. And now this step forward. Um, I would like to say one other thing that, um, that today is about licensing of new teachers. Ultimately, uh, we seek a system in which credentials and certification is secondary to results and performance. That really in the future, how we intend to and decide who teaches and who doesn't in Indiana. But um, by raising the bar for new teachers and what they must learn, we are improving the chances that the teaching uh, uh, core of tomorrow will be better than that of today. Based on uh, what you said, I think I'm going to ask Pat Mapes to have this. And uh, well, thanks for all your help. Questions for anybody? Governor, what will this do to colleges of education? Will they shrink because more students are out taking math and history and science and less educational theory, or will they still take them under the aegis of the education college? You want to speak to this, Teresa? I don't know. By the way, it's, I keep hearing different numbers. I think we have 43. Does that sound right? Schools. Schools of education. Mm -hmm. An astonishing number of places teaching teachers. 
And uh, yes, it will undoubtedly bring big change to them, but let me ask Teresa to. Well, there are speak some schools, Ball State, for example, which is actually requiring that your degree be in the area in which you're going to teach. So you'll see this will affect some schools more than others. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, we're just now on the cusp of this, so I don't know in terms of an actual prediction in terms of employment what will happen. But um, what will happen, I think, and is happening now is in the marketplace of ideas and preparation, students will find the places that are preparing them best to go into the classroom, and those places that do, and the schools of education that do that best, will be the ones that thrive the most going forward. Whether we have 43 five years from now, I don't know. Uh, we'll yet to see that. I mean, I, don't, I can't predict that. Um, but we are going to say that students need to have that content level knowledge in their master's degree, so in the area in which their the subject matter is. So that if it's in science, it's in science. Um, so I don't know how that will impact things. Norm. I mean, just state the obvious: our colleges and universities will be teaching relatively more courses in math, in science, in English, in history, uh, in content, and relatively fewer courses in pedagogy. Um, but the, what adjustments this will cause? Uh, I guess each school will determine for itself. The other thing I would say is that we want accountability to reach back to the schools of education and the new systems that the department is putting in place will allow us um, to uh, look back and find out that the, that the teachers who prepared at school A are achieving better results with their students than the teachers who prepared at school B or C and uh, get a little healthy competition going there too. There are a lot of Well, I think Governor said it very well when he used the word competition because also in this is the opportunity for alternative certification paths uh, for individuals to use to become certified. Um, so what will happen is uh, programs will come to the Professional Standard Board, Standards Board to be an alternative path for certification, which is a competitive process. It, again, it takes the focus off of the inputs <clears throat> of preparation and it begins to put the focus on outputs on results because our end game will be to for us to be able to show prospective teachers which certification processes provide the greatest results in terms of driving student growth and that should be what we're about and, and again so I think the number one thing is, is the idea of competition and, and the second thing is is frankly, it, it go back to the idea of raising standards. You know, when we hear um, and, and, and we see, hear from middle school principals who say one of their greatest challenges is the fact that they have math and science teachers in the middle school setting who are not prepared to teach math or science, we need to correct that. So it, it is raising standards, it is putting a higher expectation that teachers know their content matter. But it also gives us an incredible flexibility to hire folks. So I think competition, I think higher standards, and improved flexibility are a great place to start. I know this affects teachers mostly in the higher grades who are more subject matter oriented. Are there any of the changes that are going to impact early childhood education? Yes, I, you know, one, we are going to be working on our standards for our teachers, our, our future teachers. Uh, so part of that will be an emphasis on, on reading and scientific-based 
reading techniques. And, and so that, that is a, a big piece. You know, the governor spoke a little bit about social promotion. We have to make sure that our next generation of elementary teachers are prepared to teach children how to read so that we do have well-prepared teachers making sure children are prepared to leave third grade reading at level. So that will be a, an impact of, of our, for our elementary teachers. The most massive change that will affect elementary as well as teachers at higher grades uh, is coming soon as uh, we finally strip away the, um, the veil that has been over student performance. And we will know in whose classrooms children are learning or not, and um, uh, regardless of grade level. And uh, this, will, this will now be uh, the, uh, uh, this is the future in Indiana education. The question in the teaching profession will not be what piece of paper is on the wall, what credentials did you accumulate, but did the children learn? Well, Eric, that's a great question. Um, this establishes a process for alternative certification paths to be approved by professional standards. Okay? So, so what will happen, as opposed to us naming alternative certification programs in the document, what we are enabling to happen would be that programs can come forward, come to the professional standards board and be approved. <clears throat> And then they become a path for a person who may have a degree in biology or a degree in chemistry or a degree in physics to then go through that alternative path to be certified. I think we need to remember, too, that you'll recall we've done some work on alternative certification before. And I remember being here with the governor when he signed the bill, which allowed someone who has a master's or a Ph.D. in their subject matter to get their initial practitioner's teacher's license. Uh, with that and so and that was actually we're the only state I think that is that progressive in, in one way and this does not take away that that is still in statute this just opens up some new alternative certification routes as well the first class of uh, Wilson fellows will be emerging from uh, four of our schools uh, here very soon and these are folks who came from every different direction we um, and passed a competitive test, as you'll recall, in math or the scientific discipline that they had a career in. And with the only the briefest of encounters with the School of Education, they will soon be teaching in, in the schools of greater need, greatest need. Um, so again, our emphasis is going to shift entirely in this state to performance and, and student success. And we're going to seek, we seek a future in which we reward better than today the teachers who succeed in helping students learn and bring accountability in any cases where that's not happening. Okay? No, I mean they're raising very important uh, questions. It'll probably be a majority of states before it's over. And um, um, I think he was entirely justified in, in doing so. The legislation intrudes severely on state prerogatives. It's going to raise taxes in this state in a very large way uh, in the future. And it's going to uh, limit the freedom of Hoosiers and all Americans in a way that's never been done before. The courts may decide that the federal government has the power to do all those things, but it's perfectly appropriate in a, in a government of the people 
to challenge a, a huge expansion of government power uh, like that, and I commend the Attorney General for taking part. It's in it. Well, what's inevitable is a huge incremental cost over time. And we're still working on this, but it's going to be very large. It's going to vastly outstrip um, the funds that the HIP program uh, generates or is projected to generate in the future. It can have one of two effects. It can, it can crowd out spending for education, for instance, which is half the budget or it can lead to a large tax increase. This will be, I believe, uh, on someone else's watch. But, the, but if the bill stands, these additional costs are inevitable. And by the way, they're on top of everything else you've read about in terms of the taxes and the cost at the federal level. This is a cost crammed down on each of the 50 states, a tax uh, or a new burden that uh, undoubtedly in many places and will uh, have to be covered by higher taxes. If it were today, um, it would be in the um, nine digits, that is a few hundred million dollars. We're still working on this. Um, it'll be phased in, of course, so Medicaid will be larger and more expensive when it gets here, but in today's dollars, it would be a few hundred million. And um, you know, think on the order of, of um, another maybe three or four percent added to the current costs of the state. But give us some time. We're all still trying to digest this very large and complicated bill, and we're still finding problems. You know, um, we reported to the Budget Committee, I don't know if you saw, but last Friday, one we hadn't seen coming at all, but one small provision of this bill strips away a bargain. Indiana got a very good uh, deal out of the drug companies but the, and, and saved a lot of money. That is going to be taken away immediately by this bill. So $25 million a year uh, just in um, pharmacy rebates that will no longer be uh, ours. And uh, uh, every day we look, we, we find something else that we'll have to wrestle with. Yeah, uh, that's just a, that is not a legal, uh, you know, I went to law school, but I'm nobody's idea of a uh, lawyer, let alone a constitutional one. No, it was, it was just my uh, skepticism that the courts would finally take on something like this. Uh, they have not limited federal power in any meaningful way uh, that I can remember in a long time. So I, just, I guess maybe a better way to put it was I don't want to get my hopes up. But the many of the, our leading legal scholars have said that the questions that the, these attorneys general are raising are perfectly valid and legitimate questions. And uh, I was just uh, wondering whether any court would have the courage to uh, strike down the law or part of it. Thank you.